we don't know really what the future holds, right? And like, we know that if we procrastinate or if we don't do something that we know in our heart that we should do, that things are not going to change. But I really, really want things to change and I really want to grow and to flourish. And I have this mindset, if I don't take the step and have courage and move to the next step, then I know that things aren't going to change. So it's really just a mindset of knowing that Like, I really believe that if I do what I need to do, I'll get better outcomes. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. What if you could hang out with successful women lawyers, ask them about growing their firms, managing resources like time, team, and systems, mastering money issues, and more. Then take an insight or two to help you build a wealth-generating law firm. Each week, your host, Davina Frederick, takes an in-depth look at how to think like a CEO, attract clients who you love to serve and will pay you on time, and create a profitable, sustainable firm you love. Davina is founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer, and her goal is to give you the information you need to scale your law firm business from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue, so you can fully fund and still have time to enjoy the lifestyle of your dreams. Now, here's Davina. Hi, this is Davina. And before we jump into today's show, I'd like first to introduce you to some of our sponsors. When prospective clients are looking for an attorney, they usually turn to Google first. Optimize My Firm helps law firms grow their practices and attract more right fit clients through on page and back end search engine optimization. Optimize My Firm can help your firm rank higher on Google so that clients can find you before they find your competition. They serve personal injury, family law, workers' comp, immigration, and other types of law firms. Optimize My Firm does SEO the right way, delivering meaningful results with geographic exclusivity and no contracts. Contact them today at optimizemyfirm.com or click the link in the show notes. In the next 10 years, 90% of legal services will be delivered online. Gavel is the software lawyers are using to streamline internal document automation and build online legal products like Landlord Legal or Hello Divorce. With Gavel, you can easily build client intake that generates document sets through powerful logic-based document automation. Gavel, formerly known as Documate, can be used internally or you can make it client-facing. It also integrates with nearly everything. Clio even rated Gavel their best integration tool. Visit www.gavel.io and mention the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast for a free 14-day trial, or just click on the link in the show notes. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick. And today, my guest is very special guest for me, and that is Christy Scott. Christy is the founder, shareholder, and principal attorney with Lightpath Legal PA in Fort Myers, Florida. She concentrates her practice in the areas of church law, business law, labor and employment law, and civil and business litigation. Attorney Scott has had an AV preeminent rating with Mark Del Hubble since 2020 and was named by Best Lawyers One to Watch in Florida in 2022. She's also been named Rising Star by Thompson Reuters Super Lawyers Magazine since 2019 and was featured in No Fort Myers Magazine in 2020. She's also been recognized as a leader in law by the Florida Association of Women Lawyers in 2017. 
And she was recognized as one of the best employment lawyers serving Cape Curl by expertise in 2021. Christy is known for her commitment to her Christian principles, which include to love all and serve all. She operates with integrity while fiercely advocating for her clients. In addition to practicing law, Attorney Scott is heavily involved in her community. She's an adjunct business law professor at Florida Gulf Coast University, and she is married with three children. So welcome, Christy. I'm so glad to be talking with you today. Let's start with you telling me a little bit about your journey to becoming a lawyer. Did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer or is that something that evolved as time went along? It definitely evolved. So specifically, I was first person in my family to go to college. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was one of those people that changed my major all the time and that (laughs) sort of thing. And after I graduated with a psychology major, I ended up working with mutual funds. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. So everybody there works in banking or works in investments and things like that. And so there's heavy recruiters. And I ended up working for Vanguard for a couple of years, which is a huge investment company. And just over time, I ended up meeting a couple of lawyers and this idea developed of like, maybe I should go to law school. So that's what I did. What is your undergrad degree in? It's in psychology. Yep. All right. So I was wondering what you finally settled on. Mm -hmm. It sounds like me. I was evaluating changing careers from marketing to something else. And I made this chart of like teacher, lawyer, or therapist. (laughs) I put the pros and cons of each. There's so many possibilities and things you could do and they have to settle one. So once you became a lawyer, did you like it? Yeah. So in law school, actually, I was on our school's trial team. And so I really enjoyed like the mock trials and things like that. So I knew I wanted to be a litigator. And so I did. I really, really enjoyed it. And I had some really great mentors, got some courtroom experience, you know, as an intern and then as a lawyer. And yeah, absolutely fell in love with it. Wonderful. And so did you work for other people or did you start your firm right away besides the internships? Yes, I worked for other people. And There's pros and cons to how people do it, but I think that the route that I did it was a good one because I worked for a really large firm, a firm like an international firm first. And so I got that big law firm experience and then I worked there for about three years and then I went to a boutique firm, very well known in the community, founded by the former and really great for like networking and meeting people. And I got a lot more experience working for that small boutique firm. And I did that for about five years, about four and a half, five years. And then I started my own. And so I feel like I really had the opportunity to learn from really great lawyers and got an idea of like what I was doing. Because I think every lawyer feels like they don't know what they're doing when they first graduate. It takes years (laughs) before you feel like, you know, you're doing it. Even then some days are like, so... Your decision to work with them inform your choice of practice areas. Yes, it did, because I really got a chance to really like enjoy what I was doing and I'm representing businesses and doing some civil litigation and things like that. And actually, for the most part, the same practice areas that I had at that boutique firm is basically what I do in my own firm. So it definitely had a big impact. Right. So tell me what your practice areas are. 
So I primarily represent businesses and my kind of niche area is I represent churches as well. I consider churches to be just a special type of business. So I represent businesses and churches. I also handle civil litigation and that includes employment disputes. And I represent both employers and employees. Right. So how long have you had your own firm? So it's been about three years. I'm going in about three and a half years. I started right before the pandemic, not knowing that the pandemic uh-huh. was coming. I started in February 2020. And so, so it's been about a little over three and a half years. So when you started, what made you decide to start your own firm? So I come from a family of entrepreneurs, like so far, nobody has done it to the level that I'm doing it. But my grandmother had like, you know, a kind of like a bakery and she would bake things out of her house. And then at one point she had like a little bakery shop. And then my dad has a car business where he fixes cars. And so he has had that for like around 30 years. And wow. so with both of those like influences, I kind of have always had this, you know, spirit of like, okay, I want to do my own thing. And so while I really enjoyed working for the other firms, I just thought to myself, you know, I want to step out and try to do it on my own and see what happens. And so I just constantly built myself up with courage to do it. And so here I am. That's wonderful. And we're going to talk about your phenomenal growth in a minute. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about, so when you started, did you hire immediately or did you work as a true solo for a while? What did you do? So when I first started, I planned on just being completely alone. (laughs) And a girl that I know from church actually said, hey, Christy, are you going to need somebody to answer your phones? And I started thinking to myself, like, I don't even know if I'm going to make any money. (laughs) So I was scared. (laughs) I don't know if the phones are going to ring. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I'm thinking, like, "Hmm, what should I do? So So I started doing the math of, like, okay, if I paid her this, then how much would that cost me and what would I need to do like in order to pay her salary? And so what I felt comfortable doing was telling her, okay, look, you can start part-time. And I paid her something modest. I can't remember what exactly what I paid her, but you know, maybe like $14 an hour or something like that. And I said, you can work part-time. And so you can work in the mornings and then you leave every day at, you know, one o'clock or whatever. And so she was good with that. And believe it or not, my phone started ringing from the first day. (laughs) Like the first day that I, yeah, my phone was ringing. And so she worked part-time for two weeks and then she was full-time because I needed her. (laughs) So I can't, I can't with this phone in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) So who did you add next on your team? So the next person that I added, I have to like think back. I want to say it was additional, like a paralegal. And then Shortly thereafter, I I added an attorney and like all of these people didn't work out. It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I hired this person. And then now that person's still with me three days later. So there was definitely some trial and error. You know, you're building something and everybody's not going to be with you, you know, forever. And that's okay. You know, you're learning and you're growing at the same time. But yeah, one of the things I knew from the beginning was that I couldn't do it all alone. So like, for me, and everybody starts differently, but for me, whenever I started my own firm, I had 25 clients come with me. So that's not a huge amount of clients for my practice area, but it is enough to like 
I was no, there's like, money coming in. Right? <laughs> there was some money coming in, right? And there's something um, for you to do when you get in the office, all those mm-hmm. things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And if you do a good job, I found that people will refer you. So it just started growing that way. And so I knew I couldn't do it completely alone. Oh, good, good. It's interesting how some people have the thought process that they have to do it alone because they have fear around hiring people. And other people say, I really can't do this alone and I'm going to find a way to make it work. I'm in the camp of starting everything with just me. Like I'm always that person. And it's taken me a long time to get over that money fear of worrying about that. But, you know, now that I've done it, I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm out throwing money everywhere, trying to get people to help me to do things. Tell me, you joined. So for people listening, Chrissy's a client of mine. She's a private client. And started out though, joining the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League, which is my group program. And I would love to know what the things were that you seem to be struggling with at the time that caused you to join the league. So probably the biggest thing was, you know, like feeling like just crazy (laughs) because whenever you're running a small business and you're also like growing and trying to serve clients, I just felt like I was like, just like on a treadmill and like not ever being able to catch my breath. Right. And I also wanted to be a part of like, kind of have like feedback from other women lawyers and also like learn from people who have done it better and things of that sort. So, you know, I wanted just tips to help me kind of flourish and like to feel like I had, you know, like I wasn't like just crazy running around on a treadmill all the time. And then also wanted to be a part of like the conversation with women that, you know, were doing something similar to what I was doing. Because I also feel very much like whenever you are on this journey of being a wealthy woman lawyer, it can feel very lonely sometimes because you might have friends, they're in different industries, they don't understand (laughs) what it's like to do this. So I just wanted to be a part of that, you know, that group where I could say, hey, this is what I'm going through and like know that other people understood and other people could give me feedback and I could grow from their feedback as well. I want to give people an idea how large your team is now. Yeah. So when when you started, you had your part-time person and then in three (laughs) years you've grown. So how many people are on your team now and what do they do? So right now we have a team of seven. And this was the biggest takeaway that I got from Davina was I hired a managing attorney. And you want to talk about like getting rid of that, that crazy treadmill feeling like that's something that's helped a lot. I also have at current, we have two additional lawyers and then we have paralegals and I have a client care specialist, which is also thanks to some feedback I got from Davina. And then we have a billing person. So that's our full team right now. And we're constantly growing. So we're about to get into a new office and, you know, I'm sure we'll be adding other team. I have somebody else starting next week. So, and that's going to be my executive assistant and marketing coordinator. Yay. Yeah. It's starting <laughs> so next week. a lot week. of growth, a lot of yeah. growth. The managing attorney, the executive assistant, the client care specialist, those all came after we elevated you and we moved you into private coaching. We got very specific on your specific desires and needs. And one of your desires that you shared with me was that you wanted more support in somebody else sort of running the cases so you could focus on strategy and growth of the firm. Tell me what that has been like since you've hired a managing attorney. 
So it's been wonderful because like there's a lot of hats that you wear in running a law firm and owning a law firm. So one of those hats is like, you know, client service and providing great legal services, right? And then you have the hat of, you know, rainmaking. And then you have the hat of like the office management component and staff management. So there's lots of different hats. So I am on this journey Thanks to a lot of the things I learned from Wealthy Woman Lawyer, I'm on this journey to like, you know, let other people wear some of those hats so I don't have to be the person that does everything. And so by adding on the managing attorney, like his job is to do one of the things that I think a lot of women lawyers do, which is like reviewing other people's work. So you might have associates where you have to review their work before it goes out or paralegals. Obviously, we have to review their work. Well, he now... All of that big review pile is now given to him. He reviews that work. And then another component is just like making sure that we're providing great client service and the legal services that we're providing. So we have certain things like we do a morning meeting, different firms do it differently. Like I might do like a weekly meeting or something like that, where you just talk about your cases. Well, he runs that now. So it's just one of those hats that I don't have to wear And I know that things are being taken care of, even if I'm focusing on rainmaking or if I'm focusing on operations of the firm and things of that sort. So I still handle some cases, but I'm not the only one person like, you know, that's controlling that at this point. So that That, feels really good. That plug in that pipeline, you know, where everybody has to come to you for an answer. And we really talked about a lot, you and I, and evaluated kind of what it was that you wanted to be doing specifically, because that varies too. Some people say, Mm -hmm. I just want to go to court. I want somebody else running the operations. And other people say, I'm a really good rainmaker. And that's the case with you. You're a really good rainmaker. And you wanted to be able to free up more time to be able to go more deeply into that. So a lot of that really just depends on your preferences and your desire and everything. So I think it's been a really interesting, you decided very quickly, this is what I want and put ad out and hired what you wanted. And I was very impressed by that because I think that that is the challenge for a lot of people is the, you know, well, I got to really think about it, right? The pros and cons list and ask six people. And you just said, I'm going to do this and see how, what do you think gives you that kind of, I don't know, courage, or do you even view it as that? I do view it a little bit as courage. You know, I feel like, you know, we don't know really what the future holds, right? And like, we know that if we procrastinate or we don't do something that we know in our heart that we should do, that things are not going to change. But I really, really want things to change and I really want to grow and to flourish. And I have this mindset, if I don't take the step and have courage and move to the next step, then I know that things aren't going to change. So it's really just a mindset of knowing that, like, I really believe that if I do what I need to do, I'll get better outcomes. And I'm also not afraid of failing. I think that a lot of people are afraid of like, you know, failing. And I think that's a natural feeling. But I just have like this compelling feeling of like, if I try, I will be successful. And if I'm not, then I'll be able to learn and grow from whatever it was that I wasn't successful from. And another thing that's really, really helped me is realizing how affordable it is to have help. Like, it's very, very affordable. I think that people view it like it's not affordable. Like, people think that, oh, it's going to cost so much. My payroll is going to be so much. And that might very well be true. But 
it costs just a fraction. Whenever you really do the math, it costs just a fraction whenever you take that step. So I'm the kind of person like whenever I was making the decision like to hire people, I would say, okay, their salary is going to be this. And I'll have to pay an employment tax. And that's going to cost this. And I would literally say like, oh, okay, I need to have one hour of work to pay this person for X period of time or two hours of work. Whenever you break it down that way, you realize that it's not a lot at all. And then you're like, surely I can get two hours of work, (laughs) you know, and then, then you're not afraid anymore. So those are the kinds of things that I think will help you build your courage. And I do all the positive thinking stuff. So like I say, affirmations and I, you know, all of the positive thinking things to kind of build a stronger mindset are things that I kind of do on a regular basis that definitely. Oh, and surrounding yourself with people who are on a similar journey, you know, making those decisions in the face of that fear and all of that stuff. it's, It's a wonderful support way to do that. But And I love your method of doing the math because I think that's a lot of us don't do is we don't do the math. We don't sit down and say, well, how much does it really cost? We have in our mind, I'm going to, we look at the big salary and go, I'm going to have to pay a hundred thousand dollars. And what I think people often do, and I've done this myself in the past is look at it, make decisions based on your current pocketbook, not Mm -hmm. decisions on what value that decision is going to bring, whether it's a marketing company or Mm -hmm. a coach or somebody that you're hiring as an employee, Mm -hmm. looking at it and say, am I going to get the return on that investment? And in a law firm, it's a wonderful model for that because it's a very, I can build people. I can Mm -hmm. build out their time. I mean, you can't get a better model than that in terms of being, being able to see exactly how much you can make back on that investment. Um, yeah, yeah. Because your thing, managing attorney is not a slacker. I mean, he's he's came in, you gotta pay him, right? And yeah. at first that probably felt intimidating. And then you went through this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, everyone at my firm, I think that everyone will say they're all well paid. So like I'm not paying peanuts over here. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> is very well paid. But the thing about it is we have a culture where everybody pays their own salary. So literally everybody pays their own salary. And whenever you think about it that way too, in addition to looking at the numbers, then you see like how easy it is. So like the client care specialist understands that they're booking these consults, that's paying their salary. The paralegal is billing more than their salary. The attorneys are billing more than their salary. The billing person is on the phone collecting to pay more than their salary. So everybody pays their own salary around here. And if they don't, they don't work here. (laughs) They're not there very long because, you know, if we all want to eat, somebody's got to kill the squirrel, right? Exactly. (laughs) So I think one of the other advantages of having somebody else on a leadership team with you, and I know you're just the beginning of building your leadership team over time, that's going to continue to expand. But there were a couple of advantages that you had, not just having him sort of take over the review of things, but also you shared with me that we often have in our ideas whether somebody's a good fit or not, but then we question ourselves, is it just me? Am I the only one? And he was a great sounding board for you and actually brought to your attention somebody that you thought was not a good fit anymore. And so tell us a little bit about that. You don't have to get details, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a bunch of additional benefits to adding the managing attorney. So like he ended up bringing in a book of business that I was not even expecting, which has been great. But also 
he was able to come in and kind of like look at the team and look at everyone's work. And there were a couple of changes that needed to be made that I was kind of trying to, you know, work with and just like, you know, passively like, okay, I know this person needs to improve. So let's offer them some CLEs and let's do this to kind of help these people that needed help. But he came in and he was like, you know, I'm really like reviewing this person's work and I'm seeing that they're not really a great fit for you. And kind of like taking something that I kind of knew in my heart, but having someone come in and objectively look and say like, okay, well, this is kind of a change that needs to take place. And I just thought that it was like really, really interesting how it's illuminating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so there's been a lot of benefits to adding in that person. And of course, like you have to be smart with your hires, but like for me, it's just been really, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. And when you were talking about when you were adding him to the team, this is really your first key person to be on the leadership team. Like there's no office manager or firm administrator or anything like that. And one of the challenges that you face, which I think is very common with a lot of women law firm owners, is you're very big hearted and loyal and people were with you and they're doing things and then they start to sort of take advantage and they may not consider it taking advantage. They're just sort of pushing that envelope of coming late or leaving early and it creeps up on you and you're trying to be nice because you understand you've got kids, you understand people have kids and families, but also it comes to a point where that's not really the most efficient way to run a business. And when you brought somebody in from outside to be on your leadership team with you, it became where for you, I think, like you changed and said, you know, now we're looking at not Christy and what Christy and her kind heart would do, but what the law firm needs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it helps you to be that way when you have somebody. Tell me about that sort of experience. Did you have the same thought? Yes. So it's so funny because I've heard you kind of say something similar before, Davina, but it's like, I literally viewed the law firm as my baby, right? Yes. It was like a, it was like a further my human you know, child, of me, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Right. And so, absolutely, whenever I brought in the managing attorney, literally, like it feels more like no, this is a separate entity that I'm just responsible for stewarding and guiding and growing, right? And yeah, it helped me to make those decisions of like, I'm doing what's best for the law firm, period. It's not Christy was doing what's best for the firm. And so certainly I feel like the decisions that I've made since he's joined have been stronger decisions that I didn't like have the personality. I don't know how to put it into words to make those decisions because like Davina mentioned, like I am very, very kind hearted. I'm very much like non-confrontational, even though I'm a civil litigator. Um, even though she's and... a civil litigator, that always, <laughs> that always is amusing to me how many people who are so conflict avoidant in their own lives will become civil litigators. You can do for your clients what you cannot do for yourself, right? So fascinating. So, and I understand that and, and relate to that. And that's very, just very empathic people, you know, but I think it really, when you brought somebody in who, and this could be for some people, it could just be another lawyer where they say, I'm going to hire a lawyer. And then suddenly they feel like I have another peer here who kind of gets, you know, who maybe they're experienced, more experienced or as experienced. And so you feel like it changes your perspective of your business, I think, from sort of me, little old me doing the work and everybody's sort of working and giving me the work to now there's a team 
and there's a law firm that needs to be managed. And it just took you sort of to that next level. It was a really interesting choice that you made because, and I think a wise one as it's turned out, and I thought it was at the time, because you had lawyers working for you. You'd already sort of done the work of hiring lawyers. And a lot of people three years in haven't even hired their first lawyer. And you already had lawyers, plural. And so that's a very bold move to say, I'm going to do this. So I'm super proud of you, obviously. Tell us a little bit about some of the other changes that have happened. You've hired a client care specialist. You've had some other sort of things go on. And what do you think those changes, how they're going to affect your firm? Like, what are you anticipating? Yes. So Davina gave me some really good feedback and guidance about the importance of the client care specialist, as well as the importance of having an executive assistant. And so my executive assistant is starting next week. I haven't you know, worked with them as of yet, but I already kind of feel like I know what's going to happen because I did some really strategic things as far as choosing the right candidate for that role. And so those are kind of two of the big things. And then the other big thing is the move into the new office. So that's happening in January. One of the things that I did that I think really has impacted the success of my firm is that I didn't grow too fast and I never like overspent money-wise. So like whenever I first started in February, 2020, I was in a literally a one room. It was literally one room. So there was me and my part-time person and we were literally in a one room office and like the rent was like, literally like pennies. I think the rent was like 300 or $400. But it gave me the confidence to do things like hire this part-time person or pay money to have a really quality website because my expenses were just so low. And then we moved into the office where we're at now and it's still like super affordable. And so now we're ready to move into our, you know, kind of like permanent office space, like downtown, right across from the courthouse. But the reason that we're able to do that is because I was, you know, I made really smart money choices. And also like one thing I have always been okay with spending on is like the coaching, the mentoring, because that's something that's an investment into your business and it's going to help you make money. But be cautious about spending money on things that are just like expenditures. Like a lot of people will start their own firm and then they have like this really fancy office right off the top and they don't even know if they're going to have clients. And I don't think that's a smart way to do things. But I'm going back into the other changes and the roles that I've hired. The executive assistant is going to literally be truly like an extension of me. We're out again, wearing a hat to help me with some of the operational components and things like that. And I hired someone that's super qualified, maybe even overqualified for that position so they can help me with decision-making and strategy. So the person I hired for that role actually has an MBA and super smart, super qualified. And that person I'm planning will grow with me into a director level or a C-suite person for my office. And then with the client care specialist, I think like, you know, just an extension of the rainmaking and being able to get that right person, you know, kind of being sort of the face of the firm for potential new clients and things like that has also just been really, really phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the executive assistant is something else that puts you as kind of an outlier among women law firm owners, because it's one of the things that people always hear me say in my social media, that the difference between men and women lawyers starting out on their own is men hire secretaries right out of the gate. And women never hire. Women will hire a whole team before they'll hire somebody just to be their right hand 
person and assistant. And so that I think is a game changer and will be a game changer for you too. And I love your advice about, I think it's choices about money. So a lot of people, like my first law office was the same. It was in an old dilapidated building and I had one room and it was definitely not fancy. And even when I got my partner, we moved into a larger space. It was enough space for it to be really nice for us, but we weren't worried about being downtown Orlando and having the, the showy place, all of that right out of the gate. Because, you know, we wanted a place where our clients could come and be comfortable. And that was really what we were looking for at the time. And of course, now remote offices are such a thing that people are finding all sorts of different ways to work. But I agree with you on that. It's really about choosing where you invest your money and looking for those places where there is a return. And employees, good employees are always a return on the investment. Bad employees, mediocre employees are not. And it's important to like be able to identify that as quickly as possible. So what advice would you give a woman law firm owner who has been in practice for a little while and is really wanting to stop being that solo and start scaling their business? You know, it's one of those things like Nike, you just have to do it, like just do it. You really have to figure out in your mind, what is it that will help give you that confidence? So it might be doing the numbers and figuring out that like the wages for X period of time is really only a couple hours a week. It might be doing that. For me, I kind of made a courage portfolio, if you will. And I literally called it courage. Anytime I would see something that would like build up my courage. So it might be like a quote you see at some place, or it might be, you know, anything that like motivates and inspire you. I would literally take a picture of it and I would put it in the courage album in my phone. And then it was just something I could look back and like see like different things that like help me to like have that courage to take the next step. So whatever it is that like motivates you and gets you into that mindset. And then I would just like let you know that you can do it whenever you look at other law firm or owners might be males, it might be whatever. But whenever you see other people doing it, you just have to know that you can do it as well. But you just have to build up that courage and just take that next step. Yeah, I found it to be super rewarding. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I thought when you said courage journal, I was thinking you were going to tell me that you had kept a list of all the times that you had acted courageously and how that had worked out for you, because that would be a wonderful thing to add to your courage journal is all those times that you took those steps. You went to law school, you took the bar, you became alert. You All of those things are acts of courage. And I think we often don't give ourselves credit enough for all the kind of scary things we did. We forget once we get them, It's like a prayer, you know, things you used to pray about that you have. And then you forget that this was something that you used to pray about, you know. Also, I want just people to understand, too, that financially you've grown, too. Because I think a lot of people may hear, oh, she's done all this investment and she's hired all these people. And oh, my gosh. But that has been reflected in your finances as well in a positive way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, (laughs) Yes, I'm in a completely different financial bracket than I was whenever I started out. And even better, once I hired Davina to help coach me. Oh, thank um, you. And so... <laughs> Christy's also an excellent rainmaker. So she is somebody who is very active in her community and in her sorority and in our church. If anybody's sort of thinking about ways that they can get better at their rainmaking, she's somebody who's definitely been involved in community for a long time and really put that effort in. So. 
Before we wrap up, because I know we need to end, tell us how we can connect with you, find out all about your LightPath law firm and all of that. Yeah. So our firm website is lightpathlaw.com. And that's light, like you turn on a light path, like you walk down a path, law.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and we're located in Fort Myers, Florida. So those are basically the best ways to reach out to us. And we welcome um, referrals, especially churches, like churches that are looking for lawyers. We do advertise as a Christian law firm, which means that we love and we represent everybody. They don't have to have our same beliefs, but we are kind of focused on that component of representing businesses, churches, and then doing civil litigation. And we pride ourselves in doing it in an ethical way, in accordance with our state bar rules, but also in accordance with God's word. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Very strong brand. You have a very strong brand. That's probably a whole other recording where we can just talk about <laughs> branding. Uh, but we'll wrap up today. I encourage everybody to go and follow Christy on social and Light Path Law and stay in touch with her and check out what she's doing because more exciting stuff ahead. Christy, thanks so much for being here. As usual, I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you're ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to visit us at WealthyWomanLawyer.com to learn more about how we help our clients create wealth-generating law firms with ease.